0: Hey everybody, welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It's time to grow up. Welcome to Grow Up, everybody. My name is Amy and I am the host, and I am so happy to have you here today. Thanks for being a little patient on this episode. I'm releasing it a little later than I normally would like to, but that's just how life goes sometimes, you know? And instead of fighting it, I'm just embracing it and decided to take this morning to buckle down and get this episode recorded. Even though I had been thinking about it for weeks, time just kind of slipped away. And last night I had all intentions of getting onto this microphone to get something recorded. And to be honest, I was just exhausted. Yesterday was uh, spring forward, um, daylight savings time. And... I know anyone who is a parent <laughs> is like, why on earth? Well, I guess anyone really, who really wants to lose an hour of sleep or productivity, but especially parents whose children are, you know, younger and on a schedule. And yeah, it was just kind of wild, right? Um, this morning, I think all three of us were struggling to keep our eyes open. We just all were complete zombies and... Um, yeah, my son's typically not a morning person, which I would say, I mean, I most certainly am not a morning person. I would say my husband would choose not to be up that early in the morning, but does a lot better than my son and I functioning in the morning. Um, but yeah, we all were just really on the struggle bus. I'm currently on my like third cup of coffee. And uh, after my chiropractor appointment this morning, I swung into the local bagel shop and picked up a bagel. Because bagels to me, first of all, are delicious and secondly are like the equivalent of like a soul hug in food form, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Like I feel like eating a bagel feels like crawling back into your warm bed or something, right? Kind of interesting. but yeah, so thats I mean, maybe that's emotional eating. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't be talking about that. But hey, you know what? The bagels were delicious. Um, they were still so warm and pillowy and delicious this morning. and it just felt good being a zombie and losing that sleep and then getting my, you know, my little food hug. It was amazing. Um, side note, my husband is actually not a bagel lover found that out years into being with him and married to him. And yeah, if I'm being honest, I've never looked at him quite the same because what the fuck, you know, bagels are the bomb. So for all you bagels lovers out there, I see you. To anyone like my husband, you're a little strange, not going to lie. So yeah, that's my bagel story. Another quick little anecdote to kick off this podcast um, is one of my favorite stories to date about my son, because I think it's so insightful. My husband texts me. This was, I think, last week sometime. He usually does the drop off um, on preschool mornings because it's kind of on his way to work, and where my son goes to school is not super close to our house. So my husband will drive him to school in the morning, and then I usually do the pickup. So. He gets him to school. Um, this is sometime last week. And after this whole thing ensued, I get a text from my husband saying, you know, this is the perfect analogy for raising, you know, our life raising my son. Which I was like, oh dear God, what is that going to be? And for those of you who are new to the podcast or maybe just need a recap, uh, my husband and I have one son together, our only child, and he is four and a half years old now. And he um, is a, a human firework. Uh, he is got some sensory needs. He is a sensory seeker, meaning that his you know cup for tolerance of sensory you know stimulation has a hole in it. So essentially, he is craving sensory stimulation all the time. Um, that being said, he's also can be easily overwhelmed because he is taking in so much input, you know, all at the same time, but he is very, very active, very, very busy. And there's literally never a dull moment. So when my husband says to me, Hey, I, you know, this happened, it's the perfect analogy for our life, raising him and who he is as a person. I was like, Oh God, what happened? Right. So. Every morning when they get to preschool, apparently there is a question that they answer when they get to preschool. And the question is typically a yes or no question. So I guess what happens, and I'm not quite sure why this happens. I'm thinking it's either just to establish some kind of ritual for the kids or possibly like an attendance thing. I don't really know. Um, The kids all have name tags. And I think at the beginning of the year, it was like, you know, more for letter recognition and name recognition. And then they would always put them in their groups. And so they knew what, you know, which group they were going to be in and things like that. But now it's for these yes or no questions. Right. So when they come in, there's a yes or no question. And then they get to find their name tag and clip it on the side of which they agree. And I apparently, according to my husband, the questions are not, you know, they're not super challenging. They're just kind of just like an icebreaker something that even is more of an opinion or a guess. So like, you know, do you think that we're going to play outside today? Or did you have pancakes for breakfast this morning? Things like that. Well, this morning, last week, there was a box of some sort sitting out with a bear of some sort sitting out and the bear was next to the box. And the question was, is the bear on top of the box? And this is four-year-old preschool. A lot of kid, the kids are four and five years old at this point. Um, and so, you know, it was a pretty, I would venture to say, a pretty easy question, right? I mean, it's very obvious that the bear was sitting next to the box and blah, blah, blah. Well, last week on this particular morning, we had gotten off to a slow start and it had snowed overnight. So, by the time my husband and my son get to school, there's like a window of um, when you can arrive in the morning. And they were toward the end of that window. So they were one of the, like the later people to show up that day. And I'm saying this because my husband says that all of the other kids, which we he may have been the last kid there, or one of the last kids there, all of the other children had clipped their name on the no side of the yes or no question right because again the question was is the bear on top of the box and it was very clear that he was next to it now most little children especially four-year-olds they're like they're so excited to even just like know the question and like know the answer that they just like are you know yeah I got it right and like clip it on the correct side and just like going to school and about their day or even I would venture to say that A lot of children, too, are very impressionable. And if they just see that everybody else picked something, they're going to kind of go with that, even if they think, you know, maybe it wasn't next to it, you know. Not my son. So this is where the analogy comes in, right? So my husband says, he reads the question, and he goes and gets his little name tag and his clip, and he looks at it, and he says, my husband says, you could see this, like, you know, light bulb turning on in his brain. And kind of like, hmm. You know and he walks over confidently and clips his name onto the yes side of which he is the only child that has chosen yes and then he proceeds to take said bear from the display and put it on top of the box and then happily enter the classroom you know never to be seen again until pickup and my husband was just like oh my god if that is not our child right i mean it's just like i could just see the wheels turning in his head like well I mean, it could be on top and like, uh, you know, kind of like not like an I'll show them like a um, defiant way because he's not necessarily a defiant kid, really. I mean, he could be like that at home. But of course, you know, we all know that at home, children are a thousand times more likely to act out and all those things because they're comfortable. But out in like a public setting, especially in a school setting, I mean, I'd say he's a rule follower. You know, he's probably a rule questioner, but he's a rule follower. But it just shows you the way his brain works. He is not swayed by the masses, never has been. Every other child could be doing this thing, and he might even love the thing that they're doing. But if he's not in the mood right then and there, or he just doesn't want to do it, he's not doing it. And there's no convincing that can happen otherwise, right? And just the fact that he saw the window, like the fact that, I don't know, a kid at four years old wouldn't just go you know, here's the display, which essentially represents authority in a way, because it's like, here's just how it looks. And I'm answering this question about that. But that he thinks that he's, you know, on the same level to just change up the display. Like he's like, yeah, no, I could just make it on top. And then the answer would be yes. And it just shows you the type of brain and the type of child that I'm working with. So I thought that was really an insightful, accurate depiction of my son Vaughn. And so I thought I would start this podcast by sharing that story. First of all, because I love it. And secondly, just because we are going to be talking today a little bit about sensory meltdowns and meltdowns in general, as he had the biggest meltdown of his entire life last week. It's hard for me to remember time, but in between this podcast and the last. So I think, yes, it was last weekend Um, or two weekends ago, I guess, technically. So... Yeah, there's this story that I want to talk about that happened last weekend. But before I get into that story, there's actually another story about meltdowns that I wanted to share with you that I've been meaning to share since it happened back in December. And I just haven't gotten to, you know, a podcast where it was relevant yet. So, you know, as you all know, I think by now, if you've been listening for a while, we've been taking, you know, covid Precautions very seriously. And I hate to even bring up COVID because I think we all, at this point, two years deep, are just so sick of talking about it. But the fact of the matter is, it's still going on, um, especially for those children five and under that are ineligible for a vaccine. I think a lot of us parents have really been struggling, um, particularly with those. I mean, all parents through this pandemic, it's been so hard but um and for anybody really i'm not discounting anybody that doesn't have children but i think the added weight of you know trying to survive a deadly pandemic when you have more people other than yourself to look out for is very challenging Um, especially little kids who don't understand what's going on or you know teenagers who want to see their friends or significant others or you know whatever it's been hard, right? But it's been especially hard and especially triggering for me with my child that's been under five. So my son is still ineligible to get vaccinated. We are waiting very impatiently for the day where that is, um, an ability that we can, you know, get him vaccinated because yeah, I think we'd be living life a lot differently. Um, especially now that numbers seem to be going down. Um, Because, yeah, we've been really, really conservative. If you are, you know, curious as to my um, some of my insight into why we act that way, I think it was episode three where I talk about trauma. Um, A lot of it has to do with uh, me losing my brother when I was a teenager to kind of a random illness when he was a healthy teenager and um, a random virus, I should say and seeing him on, you know, breathing machines and, you know, that kind of a thing. So if you are interested in kind of hearing some more about that, definitely check out episode three. It's a heavy one, but that gives you a lot of insight into, you know, kind of where my brain is at with everything. My husband and I vaccinated boosted, but my son is not. So we have been kind of living essentially like it's March of 2020, you know, for a long time. We do very calculated risks, but we don't do many of those. Um, yeah, he's just, um, My son is everything to us, and we just are not willing to roll the dice um, on things that we think are not priorities. So anyway, we have not been doing a lot. And there is a child that over the summer when numbers were down, you know, we kind of got to know my husband and this child's father are... I would say like, you know, not quite friends, but not quite acquaintances, somewhere in the middle there. Um, It's actually my husband's tattoo artist. So he goes quite frequently, you know, and they've kind of got talking and our children are similar ages and whatever. So every time my husband would go in there, they would get talking. And it turns out that kind of the struggles that we have with my son with some of his differences with sensory needs and just demeanor and things like that, that not all parents can relate to. Um, it seems as though, you know, both him and his partner could relate to that. So they got talking and we kind of were always like, you know, we should try to get them together. You know, they're only a couple months apart. And, um, so yeah, so over the summer we, we did that a couple times. It was like outdoor, you know, playdates at the park or whatever. And, shockingly, I I shouldn't say shockingly, but, um, my son and their child really hit it off. Um, and which is, so I have to kind of give a backstory there too. That has been something that, you know, was hard for me just because, you know, pandemic started, he was two years old. He didn't really have a lot of, you know, play dates and things yet because he was still so young and because he was, um, more of a challenging child, you know, who was high needs, and I was battling, you know, postpartum anxiety for a while, and then I also have my own sensory needs where I'm a very highly sensitive person. It just was very overwhelming to me a lot of times to, um, venture out into the unknown with playdates and stuff like that, because it just usually didn't go like textbook the way you would think it would. So I've always, you know, he's always gravitated toward older children or parents, um, is kind of a loner kid not not where he doesn't i mean he's very charismatic very funny but like i said earlier with the you know yes and no question analogy he is very undeterred by going his own path or um unbothered i should say so you know meeting friends has been a little bit of a challenge only because a covid b he's an only child um he is and i don't talk about this often but um our pediatrician from a very early age, um, at 18 months, has kind of flagged him as being profoundly gifted, um, which means that he's, you know, high IQ. And a lot of times, like, he really does relate more with the older children or with the parents, right? So it's been a whole thing. And to see him finally find someone that I felt like they just like really got each other and they, they, it seemed mutual. And I was like, oh my God, a friend, like, yay, this is happening. And then that being said, his, you know, the parents are so cool. They're our kind of people. So that was a win-win, you know, in my book, because that's another thing too, is, you know, it's always nice when you can click with the parents. So everything was, you know, great. I say all this to say that when we got invited to this child's birthday party in December, we were thrilled. And not only were we invited, I mean, that was the first birthday party he's been invited to that wasn't like a family, you know, cousin type obligation, you know, everyone's invited kind of thing, a tr- like a real friend, they can pick anybody. And we got chosen. Right. So it felt like a huge milestone in a way, um, which sounds so silly, but I'm sure parents out there can relate like, oh, my gosh, cool. Like, we're, you know, friendship. Yay. Especially after being locked up, you know, in in quarantine ish uh, for, you know, at that point, it had been a year and a half. So we get invited. And then not only that, but when I RSVP, yes, the um, the mom of this child says, you know, oh, actually, you know, your son was the first person That they wanted to invite, I said, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" So, you know, it just it just felt good, right? Felt like, "Oh yay, we 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 have people that get us," right? So we go to this party, and it is adorable. It's uh, it's like a ceramic painting party. So, um in in Michigan, there's a place near where we live where you basically go to this little art studio. You can pick out, you know, there's a bunch of different pieces of pottery. A lot of them are geared toward children. You can pick those out and then you basically paint up a little piece of pottery and um, have like a little small get together, you know, have some snacks or whatever. You know, it's up to the people hosting and then um, you leave. They fire your piece so that it's, you know, glazed and all the things and then you come back and pick it up later. Um, Adorable idea. Um, I am very artistic and really into that kind of stuff and crafting and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, for me, I am almost like, yes, <laughs> you know, if I was a kid, which my inner child was just like, yes. And my inner perfectionist is like, you know, I'm all about this stuff. My son, not so much. Uh, in fact, one of the areas that he is kind of more behind in, Um, if you want to say that, or struggles more with, I should say, is his fine motor. So he actually isn't really a fan of drawing, writing, painting. I mean, he likes it to a certain extent. But you know, if you can imagine a strong willed child such as him, he likes it on his terms. But if you're like, hey, let's paint this or let's, you know, trace this or color in these lines or things like that, he's like, and we're done. So he's, uh, you know, he's got a very small window of tolerance already for the activity, which I knew. But, I, you know, I'm like, it's a birthday party. We'll go do the thing. And I had to already check myself because, you know, the perfectionist part of me and the artsy part of me is like, you know, wants the whole thing painted, you know, with the, quote, correct colors, you know, and painting every piece of it and, and detailing it out and all those things. But I knew going into it that this is his project. I need to just cool it. And it's not about doing it right, quote unquote, or perfectly. It's about just being there and just, you know, having fun at the party. So we get there. It's very small. Obviously, the, this family is also very COVID ca- cautious. And so it was, you know, just a small little get together, a handful of kids. Everyone had their little mess, and we all kind of, you know, separated and together, but, you know, spaced apart a little bit. And it was it was so cute. So we get there. And I don't know really what I was thinking, because if you can imagine my son being the seeker that he is. I mean, first of all, any new scenario is um, I don't want to say overwhelming, but as the potential for overwhelm for him because he's like so amped up. So the second we go in somewhere, it's like. It's like he's just like on a thousand like this, 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 you know, like he's all he's all jazzed up. And then what happens with that is usually sometime eventually he'll hit a wall and be very much done. This is how he has been. I can literally remember a time when he was eight weeks old that we had taken him to like a small gathering and. I remember just thinking like, oh, he must be teething or gassy or something because he was like inconsolable. But now that I know his personality, like all of the things that challenged me growing, you know, from his from the get go with him are completely parts of his personality. And I just didn't know it then. But now I do. That being said, I have this fantasy in my head of how it's going to go because it's been, you know, a year and a half in, in quarantine. We finally find a friend that kind of gets him, gets us. And I just don't know what I was thinking that I thought we would just like all skip off into the sunset, you know, with our little ceramics and life would be just, you know, all rainbows and butterflies. But um, I think I was also forgetting all the prep and the stimulation that is any kind of errand or any kind of, you know, extra thing especially out of his routine. Um, he also has anxiety, my son. So some of that stuff, like he just gets really, he like latches on to things. He can be kind of rigid, um, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we go to this party and I'm realizing right from when we get there, I mean, he wants to just run around and look at everything. Well, this is a whole art studio full of ceramics. Okay. So talk about a bull in a china shop. So I, between my husband and I, we are, come over here. Okay. Don't, don't touch that. Okay. Sit over here. Okay. No, come over on this side. Cause you're getting too close over here. Okay. You know, let's just look with our eyes and you know, we're just realizing how much um, like containment, like imagine like we're a little, you know, cardboard box and he's a ping pong ball. Right. So, or like a bouncy ball, like bouncing around in this box. Like we are trying to put up the parameters and he's just trying to bounce and we're, and we're letting him, you know, cause he's four. But my husband and I are, you know, already on high alert because we're realizing like, whoa, okay, this is going to be a lot for him. Lots of patience, lots of containing. Um, and that kind of containment when he's really excited about something is very, very, very difficult for him um, because then he gets into like, we're never going to do it. You're never going to let me touch it. It's like, it's like all or nothing. Right. Right. Um, so that kind of rigidity and that impatience and that kind of thing is like a major, major trigger. Um, and it's totally illogical because we're like, no, you, you we're going to pick that in just a minute. And he's like, you know, doesn't understand that the waiting and the, you know, kind of thing. So you can already imagine, you know, what's kind of happening. Also, it seems as though once all the children arrive for the party, um, a lot of them are quieter um more crafty children that want to paint um not a lot of you know super loud energy you know whatever like we definitely are seeing that my son is you know kind of the the firework in the crowd right okay cool So we pick out a little octopus, he's going to paint it. That was already a thing because, you know, we had to wait in the line to get the, get the piece. And it's just, it's just a lot. And And to anyone it's like, that's like, okay, like big deal. But to him, that, that is like, that's a trigger. That's a thing that we have to, you know, kind of reckon with, if you will. Um, and I understand too, that a lot of people listening might be like, okay, well make him wait, make him, you know, have patience. I think for any four-year-old child that's a struggle but especially a neurodiverse child and and that is one of his actual triggers i'm coming to realize now i don't think i was really aware how deep it was until this situation and the situation i'm going to talk about next from last weekend or two weekends ago um so anyway so he paints he probably paints for i don't know i'm gonna say maybe 15 minutes um it's like an hour plus long party um everyone else is like very carefully and intentionally painting their thing and my son is basically just like slopping on paint a lot of it's unpainted um to which you know when i kind of point out like oh are you sure you don't want to you know and it's funny i'm trying to like guide ish just to like occupy the time without like stepping you know on toes so it's like oh wow you know I love this color and this and that and oh the octopus has eight you know eight legs like you know it looks like you only got color on two of them do you want them all to have color and and it's funny because when he's done he's done right so you can't push any farther or further for him and and he's like you know no I want them to be white you know like as if that's part of his like artistic vision which basically was like f you mom I'm done so we're just letting him be done. So thank God for goodie bags. You know, he's got his little goodie bag and and we're trying to fill the void of this, you know, time lapse between when everybody else is still doing the thing that we came here to do and my son is like absolutely finished will not touch the paintbrush again. Um which is fine. So my husband and I are, you know, pulling double duty and taking out all the little pieces from the goodie bag and playing with that. And he asked for a little snack and we had that. And there was a ring pop in his goodie bag. And I kept telling him like, you know, we can't have that in here because, you know, it takes too long to eat and your mask. And, you know, we want to be respectful of the mask situation and whatever. So he knew he could have that in the car, but there was a lot of like containment, as you can imagine, like, um, him wanting to kind of get down and explore. And I kept telling, you know, we have to stay at our seat because everything can break. And he wanted the presents and, you know, for her to do that. And it wasn't time yet because she was still painting and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of, um, just holding it together on everyone's end. I should mention that the day before this party, when I was wrapping the present, I was wrapping it before he got home and then he got home earlier than I thought. So I was trying to avoid, you know, the, him seeing it and not being for him thing. Uh, but that didn't happen because you know, like I said, he came home earlier than I anticipated. So when he comes in, part of her present was, um, a bluey unicorn. Cause she's really into bluey and really into unicorns. So, um, and my son could not care less about Bluey, which is really sad also because I've seen like one or two episodes and I'm like, this is so cute. And he could not literally give a shit less. So um, it was surprising to me in the way that he was like obsessed with this Bluey unicorn. And I, you know, I was kind of walking through like, yeah, this is going to be what we part of the gift and we're going to give this tomorrow and we're going to wrap it. And do you want to help me? And da-da-da. well, he just really wanted it. He wanted to play with it. He wanted it out of the packaging and. And, you know, I had to keep reminding him like, this is not for us and we're going to give it. and but, but this is where I, famous last words, I said something along the lines of, and this is my own problem. I like pushed it kind of off to the next thing, thinking that he would forget. Well, my son never forgets a fricking thing. Um, and I said something like, well, we're going to bring this to the party and maybe at the party she'll open it up and then you can, you know, play with it then or see it then if she lets you. And, um, that was like, you know, I thought I was just doing the, like buying myself time and kind of getting him like past the, like tragic, I'm never going to see this thing again. Like you can't give this away to, you know, just get us some time. And then I realized like in the next day when shit hit the fan, um, that, that was maybe not the best way to handle it. So that was noted on my end. Anyway, so he was super excited because he was really looking forward to giving her the present. So, okay. So fast, fast forward, all this is going on. Um, My son's also like really into jokes. And so he's like telling these jokes at the table, like so loudly. And, you know, the parents are laughing and this and that, but I'm just like, you know, this, everyone else is just, like I said, sitting there painting their like, you know, unicorns and princesses and, and just, you know, choosing their colors so intentionally. And my son splatted, splatted some paint on an octopus and called it a day. And then is like, you know, trying to work the room. And at one point he's very into Halloween and he says something like, um, some joke about like zombies. Like, what do you call like a zombie who's dead or like I don't even know it was like something really god I wish I could think of the exact words it was something really like oh wow like that's a thing to talk about you know like it was very um shocking I think a lot especially for the um if I'm being you know stereotypical the crowd that was there I think it was even more shocking um and then he said Yeah. Like, what do you call a zombie who dies or something like that? It was like so loud. And I literally felt like the record was like and just like stopped, you know, like I was like, oh, God, like, why, why, why? Um, Like, be cool, man. Just be cool. Um, Anyway. And they all kind of look at him like, oh, what? You know, and he's like a pile of eyeballs, which like doesn't even make sense, first of all. And secondly, like, oh my God, like hi, yep, that's my kid talking about zombies and death and eyeballs, and your child is just quietly doing the task. Um, so yeah, this is just set the whole stage. So you can kind of already imagine like what we're dealing with and we're just kind of like, okay, maybe we don't talk about that um, right now. Anyways, so then she gets to the presents. Of course, our present happened to be like the last one this birthday girl opened. And that's fine. But, you know, he was waiting and waiting and waiting. And so the present part is exciting. I kind of prepped him prepped him for it but not nearly enough I realize now so he wants to keep getting down and seeing the things and I have to keep kind of like wheeling him back in like you know no 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 like come over here like people have to be able to see and we don't want to like you know it's like this is her turn to kind of have this the spotlight and we're kind of like and I'm like knelt down next to him like in his ear just like wow look at that and like what do you think that's like and like what color is it like just trying to keep him entertained kind of in our own little world. So he's not just like over there being nuts, you know, so she gets to the present and she opens it up. And before I could even like blink, he had like darted over as she takes out the bluey unicorn and he knew it was coming obviously. And she's, you know, her eyes light up. And then he literally, I blink all of a sudden he's over there and he snatches it out of her hand, which is, kids. Right. I mean, four years old, he doesn't understand. And instantly I'm like, Oh no. So I walk over and I, and I just kind of, it was like, buddy, you know, that that's for her. Like we have to give it back. And he of course didn't want to. And so I had to like intervene and take it and give it back to her. Cause of course, and she's starting to get upset because he literally just snatched it out of her hand. Um, and when I do that, just shit hits the fan. Um, I should say that we're in this place on a Sunday while this little birthday party is going on. There's like probably five other people in there. It's like a morning party. It's quiet. Um, there's like five other adults kind of like sitting out in the main area, like painting pottery and like, you know, doing that. So it's kind of like a Zen little place. And like, to me, like this would be super Zen. So I just was like, oh my God, like we are disrupting everyone's time, you know, which is my own shit. I'm worried about everybody else. Right. Right when in reality, my focus is my son should be my son. So he starts freaking out. Um, I kind of see that this is going to be a big one and he's screaming, no, 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 you know, freaking out. And so I just like surfboard style, shove him under my arm, like a football. Um, he's screaming and kicking and like, like, I mean, so loud, so loud. Um, And I just beeline to the back of this skinny, you know, store, this studio to get to the bathroom to kind of like de-escalate. In the meantime, as I'm de-escalating or walking through to get to the bathroom, to find the bathroom, in the way back of the studio, there's like a wheel throwing class going on. And that's the people who like, you know, use the, the clay and mold it on the wheel and whatever there's roughly 12 people they're they're in this room that kind of spans over the hallway so there's like a little bit on both sides and I have to literally carry my child kicking and screaming like through the middle of this instruction you know class quiet with a bunch of adults and he's just losing his shit and um and they they're all just like oh like you know like oh my god you know whatever and I'm like oh my god just get me out of here so I get into the bathroom. He's like, just inconsolable, just absolutely screaming, um, hitting just everything, just mad, mad, mad. And something, I don't know why in this moment, I was able to go there because, you know, I know for a lot of people and myself included, you can get really triggered, you know, and then you act out against your child because you're triggered, you know. In my mind, I just remembered The regulation part of a child's brain is not developed, scientifically not developed. The prefrontal cortex, which is for that regulation and logic and control of behavior, impulse control, it's not there. So he is doing the best that he can. He is unable to calm down right now. He is in fight mode. You know, Um, his, his nervous system is gone. It is off the deep end. And I remember, I back to when you know he was an infant and all the nights with the sensory overload and the melting down and the screaming when he was a baby because he's been high needs the whole time. And I don't know why in this moment I was reminded that the things that would usually work for him, tight pressure, which makes a lot of sense with his nervous system, his sensory needs, um, tight pressure, movement, like bouncing, rocking, And repetition of a song or repetition of like a, okay, okay, okay. You know, like just de-escalating, not about what you're saying. I could be saying spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. (laughs) But as long as I'm just kind of like showing, modeling that like, okay. And in that moment, I was thinking to myself, act like you wish his brain Could act right now. Be that prefrontal cortex for him right now. And if I keep doing it steadily, he's going to kind of mimic me and latch on. So we're on the floor (laughs) of a men's bathroom because that's the only one that was open. And I'm literally sitting on the floor of this men's bathroom, which in my mind, I'm like, disgusting. Uh, also COVID. I mean, not that I think you can get it from that, but I'm just like germs and just all of it, you know, he's still screaming so loud that you can hear him out, you know, into the studio. He's hitting me. I'm trying to, you know, stop his hands. And I start asking him to look around the bathroom. And weirdly enough, there was like a bunch of decorations in there. I don't really know why, but I'm like, what, you know, let's look over there. Oh, what color is that? And like, So that tactic was just trying to get him to come back into his body, you know, so I'm what's that? What's this? You know, what does that look like? Do you see that one? You know, kind of thing. And that was kind of in cahoots with after I'd already done the whole holding him really tight and just going, okay, okay. Okay. And I'm nodding my head. Yes. As if, yes, this is good. This is okay. I got you. And I mom's here. I'm here. Okay. And then every so often I would do a Deep breath, you know, in his ear, and he starts to kind of deescalate, you know. And then I'm like, "Let's look around. What do you see?" You know. So we're doing one of these, and and honestly, it ended up working. It took a few tries because then he would calm down, and then he would get going again and calm down and get going. But eventually, it worked, you know. And he kind of calms down, and I'm like, "That was really hard," and I know, blah blah blah. And I just said, you know, we have to go back out there because your coat and your goodie bag and all those things are out there. There's that's the only way out. Um, we are not going to be able to play with the toy. We're not going to be able to see the toys. We're not going to do that. Um, are you ready to get our things and go, or would you like to stay a little bit longer? And kind of left it up to him. And I'm thinking, please God, do not let this child stay longer. Get me the f out of here. And um, he said he wanted to go home. So by the time he calmed down, you know, he walked back out there, and I was so proud of his bravery. He walked back out there. He got his things. He said thank you, you know, for having me, and and we left. And, I, re- you know, then we walk out and, and he's like, you know, can I have my ring pop? And I said, sure, absolutely, because now we're out of the store and, you know, whatever. And then when we got to the car, I was just, I mean, I was out of sorts. And I told my husband, like, he's strapped into that car seat, drive anywhere and just keep driving. Because <laughs> I needed to not parent for a little while. I was like, uh, my, my nervous system was... um just not, I mean, it was just at capacity, to say the least. And, you know, we kind of calmed down in this and that. And we, and we circled back later and talked about, you know, what was hard and what was good and what was this and that. Um, And so that kind of had worked for me. And that, that was the biggest meltdown he had had to date until two weekends ago. And I kind of adapted that be their prefrontal cortex thing, right? Like, they're not able to be that way. So let me model it which takes a lot of self-regulation on my end. And listen, sometimes you're able to do that and sometimes you're not. But in that moment, as much as, you know, my my alarm systems are going off because, oh my God, I'm a people pleaser. Everyone's looking at us. He, you know, he looks disrespectful. He looks rude. You know, he's different than all these children. He doesn't want to be doing this. Oh my God. You know, he can't really paint the way they can. Like, I mean, there's just so much swirling in my brain that whole time too, that I was trying to stay on top of. And I did stay on top of it for him. And I was proud of myself in that moment. But holy shit, it was a lot, right? So I kind of filed that one away as like uh, maybe a win, but like, holy shit, that was hard. Right. And it kind of gave me insight into how to show up for him, you know, and it's interesting that maybe, maybe someone listening out there, like you can think back to when your child was a baby and what worked for them and, um maybe adapt some of that now in, in, in an older sense, you know, he's four years old. So it's going to be different than when he was an infant and I could rock him in the chair and, you know, do that. But at the same time, there's something to be said about what worked for them then in their little animal brain and what would work now in their little animal brain. So that was a big deal for us for multiple reasons. You know, we went out to the birthday party, we were social after COVID. We finally were finding friends that seemed to get him and get us. And, um, that you know it was hard because it felt like I had this fantasy in my head that we could just do these things you know this is going to be great this is a kid that's like him that has sensory challenges as well and these parents understand him and things like that and you know there was a part of me that felt like is it always going to be like this you know what was me being this victim of no one gets us no one gets him it's always going to be different it's always going to be challenging and then omicron you know hit the fan and we kind of just locked back down for a while So way back in the fall, I purchased tickets for a show that was coming to Detroit. The last thing that we did before COVID happened in March of 2020, my son was two, we took him to Sesame Street Live. He had always been a huge Sesame Street fan, and my mom and dad bought him tickets for that, I think it was for Christmas that year or something. And we took him to Sesame Street Live, and he loved it, and it was a good experience, and Um, we let him pick out one thing, you know, at the little little swag counter of all the stuff they're selling. And he chose the stuffed animal, Big Bird, and still has it to this day and still remembers it. And so it's something that he talks about from time to time. Like, remember when we went and saw Sesame Street Live and blah, blah, blah. Well, in the fall, when COVID numbers were seemingly better, and I was naively thinking that he would be vaccinated by this time and all of that, um... I bought tickets to Trolls Live, which was coming to the same place in Detroit, the exact same theater that he had been to, that he loved. And, you know, now it's a little bit older. He likes the Trolls movies. I was like, oh, man, here we go. We are going to do a thing. We have been locked up for this long. We've been strict. And by then he's going to be vaccinated. By then the numbers are going to be better. Well, then all of a sudden, we're you know, we're in this wave of Omicron or whatever, however you pronounce it. And... I'm like, oh my God, should we sell these tickets? I had mentioned to him back in like September that I, you know, had looked at this and we might be going, right? And of course, like I said, my son forgets nothing. So about a week before the show, he asked about Trolls Live. And I'm like, oh my God, how does he know? (laughs) He doesn't forget anything. It had been months. It had been like six months since I bought these tickets. Um, Anyway, and the show had been rescheduled because it was supposed to come, you know, a different time. And because of the numbers, it got canceled. And I had gotten insurance on it that I could get my money back or a portion of my money back. And I really was like, you know, is it worth it to go see Trolls Live? Probably not. But then the other part of me sees people doing stuff all the time and being much more lax than we are. And I thought, like, just for mental health, you know, is it worth it? Well, then numbers with Omicron dropped off. Michigan's in better shape. Um, I had gotten my son some N95s. um, And I thought, you know, I bought the first show of the day you know, out in the big open area that the theater, you know, there's different spots in the theater. And I got one that has like better airflow kind of thing and got us on the aisle and all these things to try to do the the most safe, you know, spot that I could find. And it wasn't sold out. It was pretty empty. And I was like, okay, I think we can do this. So we decided we're going to go. And I do some prep because my son, you know, needs that. Now, mind you, earlier in the week he had to get some shots at the doctor because he was due for them, et cetera, et cetera. He just kind of already had like a little bit of a rough week, but he had really been looking forward to this show. He it was on the calendar. He was every day. Is it? Are we going to see Trolls live? You know, he was just so 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 excited. And so we talked about it. We talked about you know what to expect. It's the same theater. We talked about you know setting up a, a, a boundary with what we were going to purchase. I said you can pick one thing just like last time you know we're willing to buy you one thing or one treat or something you know you decide and we talked about the parking we talked about the theater we talked about everything I showed him pictures of the characters and the costumes and all the things and I thought that we were like ready and again back to my fantasy of you know we're finally stepping out and we're gonna have this magical day and blah 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 One thing I totally forgot to prep, which I'm realizing now is something that is way bigger of a trigger than I realized last, you know, month even, (laughs) um, is the waiting. So we walk into the vestibule and there are lines upon lines upon lines upon lines of people trying to get in because everyone was trying to get in at the same time. You know, I'm realizing now he's been in, you know, essentially quarantine-ish for two years. Um, We're surrounded in a sea of people, which is also my nightmare. I hate that kind of thing. Um, we are one of maybe three families that have masks on. So that's different for him. Um, it was just a lot. And, you know, we're like, come over here, get in this line. Well, he starts panicking a little bit, like not like a panic attack way, but just like a, we're never going to get in. We're never going to see trolls. We're not, you know, whatever. And we're trying to explain to him like, buddy, we are, we just have to get through these lines. No, no, no. You know, he's starting, he's handling it, but we are you know, again, back to like how we were at the art studio, putting like a lid on it, kind of. We're like, okay, he's struggling, but we are working through this as we're trying to work through a line, as we're trying not to catch COVID, as we're trying not to bump into people. You know, there's just like a thousand sensory alarms dinging, which is my nightmare. So anyway, we get through the line. Well, the second we walk in, you know, we finally get through that. We're like, cool. And I didn't even think to prep for the lines. I just didn't even think about it. Because to me, like most children, You wait in the line and then you get the thing. You get in to see the show or you wait in the line and you get the prize. You wait in the line and you get the candy. You know, like it's like it's like a reward type thing, you know, and but that just does not fly for him. He gets so um, focused on the struggle that it's like the the reward at the end or the, the thing that pays off doesn't even compute. And so we walk in, he sees like one of the main selling kiosks and he sees this poppy stuffed animal and he's like, I want that. And we're like, cool, let's get in line and get it. Well, again, not thinking to explain, the line was like wrapped around the kiosk. So we go to the end of the line and he just starts losing it, you know, and he's crying and we're still in line and we're trying to explain him, you know, we're taking turns like my husband and I kind of ping ponging off each other of why we're waiting and this and that and da, da, da. And he is just not having it. And he's like, it's going to be gone. I'm not going to get one. You know, he's just just freaking out. And I'm sure to anyone else who doesn't understand sensory children or diverse children, like you're probably thinking like, what a brat, right? I mean, you're thinking that he doesn't get a toy because why is he acting like that? Well, you have to understand that this is not... It's not because of the toy. It's like the he's so excited. And this containment of the the anxiety and the pressure of waiting is what is sending him over the edge. Right. He doesn't understand it. It's just too much. Right. So we're waiting in line, we're taking turns, and you know, I'm already kind of like, oh my god, freaking out because there's a ton of people, no one's wearing masks, you know, I'm uncomfortable. It's our first kind of thing that we've done with him. We thought it was gonna be different. It's a lot crazier than we thought it was gonna be. Um, everyone in line is staring at us because they were like, Why is this child crying already? You know, we just got in here, et cetera, et cetera. And um he kind of is like, you know, I then I'm remembering the thing at the art studio. I kind of crouch down and go to like hug him tight just to kind of like give him that pressure and kind of like, okay, I understand you're having a hard time waiting. I understand, you know, you know, you can do hard things and you know, whatever we're saying. Well, the second I touch him, he like, you know, goes into full like snow angel mode on the ground and is just kicking, screaming, no, I mean, you'd think that I was I shouldn't joke about this, but that I was like kidnapping him. Like, it was like as if he didn't know me. And he was like, no, 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 you know, freaking the F out. And I'm like, holy shit. And I go into the same mode where I know my son enough to know that to de-escalate a situation, I have to get out of it. it doesn't mean leave. It means get him out, you know, get some space, get some air, get some, you know, a, a, a space where it's just us. And so I scoop him up. Again, just like the other time, I slide under the ropes of the line, tell my husband just to wait in line and get the thing, and, you know, take him over into like a little nook in this theater, this giant old theater, gorgeous theater. And he will not let me close to him. He is screaming, he's crying, he's panicked. Um, he doesn't understand either. Like we got out of line and now that's making it almost worse because he's like, wait a minute, now we're not even in line. And I was trying to explain to him that like, dad's in line, I'm with you, you know, whatever. And it is echoing through this vestibule down the hallways of people going to their seats. Like I, I mean, my husband was on the other side of the, the place at that point. And when he came back later, I was like, could you hear us? He goes, oh yeah. He's like, I could hear everything. And I was like, perfect. So that's how loud this is, right? My alarm bells are sounding for all the reasons you can imagine. Like, everyone's looking at us. People are thinking they're judging us. They don't understand him. They don't know that he's this, like, sensory kid. They don't know that that he's struggling right now. They just think whatever they think. There are people leaving their kiosks to come and, like, see what was going on because people probably literally thought something was, like, actually, like, like, someone's leaving with this child or someone's hurt. Like, that's how intense this explosion was. And then I found myself, you know, kind of just standing there and letting it ride because I'm like, I was trying to regulate myself. I knew we couldn't leave, you know, because you can't leave when you have a ticket. And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is just like my nightmare. We haven't even made it to our seats yet. The show hasn't even begun yet. Like what the fuck? So I'm, you know, calming him down, trying to, I don't. And at that point I was at like at the point where I was so maxed out and I had tried everything, between waiting in line to get in and the waiting in line that we had the small little portion of it that we had done in line when he was crying. I feel like I was maxed out. I tried all my best things. I was like, okay. And now I have no idea what to do. Right. And so then I just found myself saying, I was like, got kind of low and crouched down. I didn't get too close. And I just kept saying to him, I don't know why I started saying this particular thing, but I kept saying it over and over and over. We're going to slow down. We're going to slow down. We're going to slow down okay, we're going to slow down. Let's slow it down. Let's slow down. And I was, I was narrating. I was like, dad's in line. We're daddy's going to, you know, do the thing. And we're going to be over here. And we just had this space where, you know, it's just you and I, just me and you, bud, we're just going to slow down. We're just going to slow down. And when I kind of started doing that, he started to deescalate. Once he deescalated, You know, we kind of could could just navigate a little better by that time. Tom came back and turns out what he was freaking out about. And it makes a lot of sense. When we walked in, he saw one poppy up on the shelf and that was the one he wanted. Well, when we're waiting in line, like he was saying, he's like, there's not going to be enough. When we get up there, it's going to be gone. Right. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And I was trying to explain to him that, no, there's hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of these poppies. <laughs> Any child in this place who wants a poppy can have a poppy. And he was just like, no, no, they can't, mom. Absolutely not. This is taking too long. I can't be this contained. I need to move. I need to see. And what I should have done in hindsight is probably let Tom stay in line from the get go. We go to our seats. Daddy gets it. I mean, but again, it's our first time out. We're re-navigating life again post, you know, pandemic and learning him again at this age in a crowd. We're overstimulated. He's overstimulated. He's got needs that sometimes we don't even understand to this day. And even just the fact that we could have been sitting at the front of the kiosk watching other people cash out and I could have been explaining about the lines. I mean, there's so many things now that i make like, this make sense. So anyway, we get to our seat. He's doing okay. I'm tapped the F out. I'm looking at my husband like, do we can I just like go in the car like can I just be done like I need to kind of lay on the ground like what do I do like I just was like feeling trapped like get me out of here and we watch it and we get through you know he's so into it and he's on our laps just like soaking it all in the show and then it gets to intermission and they go off stage and he's like where'd they go and we're like oh they're having a water break and changing their outfits it's called intermission and he's like I want to go home <laughs> and I'm like what what Like in, in my head, which I'm sure parents can relate to, I spent so much money on these tickets. Like this was supposed to be this little fantasy day. I was like, oh, after maybe we'll walk around Detroit, maybe we'll get an ice cream, maybe we'll like do a thing. I mean, the show started at 10. And when I tell you that we were back home at 1115, I'm not kidding. And Detroit where we were was about 15, 20 minutes from my house. Like, that's how quickly (laughs) we were there and gone because he wanted to leave. And we're kind of like, no, but like, cause I was like thinking, does he think he has to leave? Like, I'm like, no, we don't have to leave. They just left the stage to take a break, but you know, we could go walk around and come back. Or do you have to go potty or anything? No, 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 no. I want to leave. So finally I'm like, why am I fighting with this child? This is for him anyway. If he doesn't want to be here, let's just go. So we take the beloved poppy and we go back to our car. And when we get to the car, he, he says the, the sounds and the lights, were like too much. And that there were obviously all the trolls were dancing in costume, but then they had dancing flowers also. And he's like, I didn't like the face on that flower. And there was like a couple and he said, not this one or this one. This one is the one I didn't like very specific, you know, explicitly. And it just goes to show you that there is so much more going on I mean, obviously, the triggers and the stuff that we can see and understand as adults. But my spirited kid who is constantly expelling energy is also ingesting so much more than we can even understand. We are sitting there thinking he's loving every second of it and he's so into it. Well, he was so intensely watching it while feeling, these lights are really bright. These sounds are really loud. I'm kind of afraid of that flower. And then what happens when the lights go back on? He's like, I want to go home. And like, we could have doubled down in that moment and been like, no, we're staying. We paid all this money. We just bought you a poppy, blah, 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 blah. You're ungrateful. We're never doing this again, you know? Or we can let it go and, you know, appreciate it for what it was. He had a blast, you know, for what he did. We circled back later to talk about the lines. I used it as a, you know, learning moment for me about different ways to handle his meltdowns. Realizing more deeply what his triggers are and not living in that fantasy of, oh, my kid's like this and we're just going to do this. No. And that's something that's really hard for me because I still kind of almost don't understand like, I understand him, but, like, there's this, like, kind of denial in me that's like, oh, but he'll be better. Oh, but he'll grow out of it. Or, you know, whatever. And then it's like this slap in the face of, no, this is, this is our kid. This is reality. This is how it's always going to be. And will it get better? Of course it will get better. Will he always be four years old and not be able to handle it? No at seven years old will he be able to understand lines better will he have more practice and experience under his belt absolutely will he have had more ot where he knows his triggers and he knows how to self-regulate better absolutely will he have gone to school and have more experience with crowds and people and events absolutely so i can trust that this is not where we're going to stay but this is always going to be a consideration and it's hard and it sucks because you know Did I picture the kid that could sit there and craft with me and paint nicely and just go to a birthday party and have a great time? Yes. Did I picture having the kid that could just, you know, go with us to concerts and shows and this and that and we could just do the things and we could just tell them be patient and they're just patient. And yes, that's the kind of kid I chose or, you know, envisioned in my head going into parenting. That's why I wanted three or four children. And then at some point, when do we kind of see the situation for what it is? When do we accept the child for who they are? When do we bend to accommodate them in their needs and not let our judgments and our wounds and our struggles cloud how we need to show up for them? Because I'm telling you in that moment, I was, oh my God, everyone's looking at us. Oh my God, this, everyone thinks he's a brat, blah, 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 blah. That was my dialogue in my head we just need to leave. This was so stupid. Why did I think this was going to be okay? Why is my kid so different? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I have to say, as much as that was bubbling under the surface, I am proud of the fact that I felt that way and then had a quick pause of, but I need to show up right now for my kid and I need to shut all these voices up for a minute. And then, of course, I've been processing, you know, like a mad woman outside of the moment in therapy because thank God for therapy. Of just the fantasy and what it triggers inside me and why that's such a big deal. And maybe I'll share more on that, you know, on the next podcast or something. But just kind of the work that I need to do to reparent myself for the wounds that sometimes this this behavior and my son being the way he is can, can trigger in me, can reopen in me. But this was kind of like that big learning experience and that big, you know a huge event. It was exhausting. I came home and I cried. Um, and I just felt defeated and I felt silly. Um, and it was hard. Honestly, it took me a few days until I felt like I could really, I was back to my, you know, parenting peak, you know, I felt very defeated. I felt very, um, discouraged. And it was hard. I am in a group on Facebook for, you know, spirited and strong-willed children and neurodiverse children. And ironically, someone that same day mentioned her four-year-old who had a huge meltdown at a birthday party. And she basically said something along the lines of, someone please tell me this gets easier as they get older. And a bunch of, you know, everyday moms in this group responded with, you know, they have years upon years under their belt that we don't have. And they basically said, I can't tell you it gets easier because it's always going to be a factor, but you get better at your self-regulation. You get better at choosing what experiences to expend that kind of energy on. Like, for instance, maybe the crafting party, if we ever get invited to those again, we might have to decline because that's not something that is going to be fun for him or interesting for him. And it might just be not worth the energy. If it was a trampoline party all day, but maybe we leave before the gifts. If I think that's going to be a trigger, maybe he's had his limit. We get better about listening to our children We get better about recognizing and respecting their triggers and their limits, right? For me, I'm realizing that like this whole like waiting in line thing, like that I thought was just like, okay, whatever, get over it. It's a line and you'll get the thing at the end is an actual trigger for my son. That self-regulation, that containment that has to happen because he was so excited and was so focused on it, but he had to wait and bottle it up. It's like, He's ready to explode. And maybe when he's seven, he won't feel like that. Or maybe next year, he won't even feel like that. Or maybe he will. And that's okay. But I think it's about flexibility. It's about modeling. It's about respecting. And it's about breaking up with that fantasy in my head about how things should look, how a kid should be, and what I thought everything was going to look like and getting really clear about what is actually on my plate. And what works for me, what works for my son, and weeding out all that bullshit negative talk, that conditioning that I grew up with, and everyone else's opinions. Which, of course, is much easier said than done. Whew! So now you can imagine why I was just, you know, running out of time these last couple weeks to get this podcast out to you. It was just a lot of our events and things going on, and then also me working through a lot of things and and not being maybe in the mental space to um, give you a bird's eye view of the situation because I felt it and I let myself feel it for a couple days and it was hard and it was defeating. But I loved reading that comment from that those moms on that Facebook, you know, post and realizing that it is what it is. This is always going to be, you know, my child's brain is wired differently and it's a beautiful thing and he's going to change the world one day. And we're going to grow together and we're going to find our own path and we're going to figure it out. And it won't necessarily be easier. It will be different. And that's not bad. It's just something that we're going to be navigating and we will all get better with practice. If you are listening to this and you can relate, I would love to hear from you. Truly, I feel a lot of times very isolated and very lonely in the motherhood realm because of all of this kind of stuff. So if you've got that neurodiverse child, if you struggle with sensory meltdowns, if you don't and you just want to offer solidarity, please reach out. I I seriously would love to connect with some moms about this um, or people about this. If this is something you struggle with personally, I mean, gosh, I know I do. I am highly sensitive crowds. I am done. Like it's like I'm toast. So I'd love to hear from you. Remember, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at grow.up.ig or you can write me an email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. Until next time, keep doing the work. Thank you for being here. And thank you for holding space for me and my struggles in this episode and for my son. And just a reminder that if you're out and about and you see someone struggling, a parent struggling, a child struggling, just be kind. Some people, I mean, everybody's dealing with things we have no idea what they're dealing with, but some of those children that have invisible challenges that we can't see very quickly get labeled as bad or spoiled or bratty. When in reality, everybody is just always doing the best that they can. So just remember to give yourself grace and give everybody else that grace too. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.